You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out again. I am so excited about today's guest. You know, every day I get books in the mail, I get emails talking about different people I can interview. And when I got this information about this book, The Money Challenge for Teens, I said yes in about five seconds because I have four teenagers in my house and money is a thing we talk about, but I have never had a good set of of tasks to give them to to be able to save money. We just kind of go with the flow. I am so thankful for this book and I'm so thankful to talk to the author today. So let me tell you a little bit about Art. Art Rayner is a vice president at the college at South Eastern in Wake Forest, North Carolina. He writes widely about issues related to finance, wealth, generosity, and is the author of The Money Challenge and The Marriage Challenge. He lives in Wake Forest with his wife, Sarah, and three sons. So welcome, Art. Trisha, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And that was very kind, um, what you said about the book. Yes, absolutely. You know, we have four teenagers. We have 10 kids total, four teenagers currently in the house. And I'm so thankful the ones that out of the house, they're doing well financially. They don't have a lot of debt. But over the years, my husband and I have just kind of gone with the flow. And what I love is that you set out real tasks, real goals for teenagers that they they can really get behind. So tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, so I, I wrote the, the Money Challenge for Teens in response to um, the input that I got or the feedback that I got from the Money Challenge, which is a book geared toward um, towards adults. Mm-hmm. And as I talked to to parents, and I have I have three kids; they're not teenagers yet, but I have three kids. And as I talked to parents, they continued to say, "Man, I wish I would have had this." earlier, that I wish I would have had these principles earlier, that I, I, if I would have had this, I would not have made the mistakes that I, that I made. And so, um, the money challenge for teens was to uh, give teenagers, hopefully a chance to get things right, to go ahead and start developing good, healthy, biblically based financial habits that would carry on with them well beyond their, their college years. I love that so much. So last night I was writing up interview questions and going over your book again. And I was sitting on the couch and one of my teens sat down and she looked at it. She said, I think I need to read that book. And I said, well, actually, we're going to start reading it together as a family. And so it's so exciting that even she's 17, she's thinking, "Okay, this is something I need to think about and I need to plan for. And I love how you really created a book that teens can get into. You have fictional stories and then you have the principles that go along with it. Um, So, but before we even get into those details, I would just love to hear, like, why are you so passionate about sharing this message with people? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, that's a great question. And before I answer that, I, I want to encourage you um, in this in this way, uh, Tricia. So you need to read, if you're all going to read this simultaneously, you need to read the money challenge while they are reading the money challenge for teens because okay. both have a fictional element to it. They're similar, but they are, they're clearly different and actually the stories intertwine. And oh, so it's a cool. really, really neat, um, it could be a really neat experience for you and your, and your teenagers. So I just want to encourage you to do that. There's several adults that have done that who have, who have teenagers. So, but to answer your question, the reason why I'm so passionate about finances, first of all, God has a design for our, our finances. He clearly lays that out in, in scripture and it's not to become a gajillionaire. Um, now if you have, um, a gajillion dollars, great. I'm not, I'm not against that, but that's not ultimately the reason why God gives us money. He gives us money so that we're not necessarily hoarders, but we're conduits through which his generosity flows. So because of what he has done for us, we respond in generosity and we steward those resources in a way that advances his kingdom. Um, I actually did not put this in the the money challenge for for teens, but one of my great uh, motivators are is, is getting the gospel out to the ends mm-hmm. of the of the earth. So right now we're in the middle of what's called the great wealth transfer, where they estimate over the next thirty years that about thirty trillion dollars will be transferred from one generation to the next. Now let's assume that. Christians make up 25% of the United States. You could argue that number. Ultimately, you'll see that it doesn't matter. Right now, they estimate, depending on what organization you talk to, that there's about 3,200 unreached people groups, people that have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in order to reach one of those groups, it takes about $75,000 per year. On, on average. And let's just say to really engage that group, it takes about 20 years to do that. So I've already done the math for for you, so you, you don't have to, <laughs> but 32,000, I'm sorry, 3,200 times $75,000 per year times 20 years equals about $4.8 billion. Now, we have 30 trillion that's going from one generation to the next. Christians make up 25% of that. That's $7.5 trillion. So $7.5 trillion in just, in just the wealth transfer, and yet it only takes $4.8 billion. And mm. if you're not familiar with, with numbers, with math, $1 trillion equals $1,000 billion. And so that resonates with me. I mean, we have an amazing opportunity here in the, in the United States to truly get the gospel out to the ends, uh, ends of the earth. And I know I'm an idealist in, in this way. But I want adults to be a part of that. I want, I want teenagers to be a part of that. And, and they can, and we can. And so you ask about motivation. That's really the big motivator for me. I love that so much. And I think it really takes getting outside of the United States to realize how wealthy we are. Oh my um, goodness, yes. you know, and I've been in the Kibera slums. Um, I was able to go to Kenya with Awana International. And I mean, I'm not even talking that level. My daughter's a missionary. She lives in the Czech Republic. Um, she's married a Czech guy and they have a baby. And just being there and they are modernized. They have cell phones. They have televisions. Right. They don't have the stuff 
that we have. Um, in my daughter's town that she lives in, it's a city of about 125,000. Most people don't own a car. They use public transportation. They live in apartment buildings without elevators. <laughs> they, you know, maybe have 20 books on their shelf. They have enough clothes that, you know, they need to wash once a week. But we have so much stuff. And I think really getting out of the United States, um, it makes me realize like how much we spend on stuff we don't need when you're right. There are people around the world that need to hear the about the love of God and the you know the sacrifice of Jesus and we're just like buying more and I'm guilty of that. This is why I'm like, okay, we need this conversation. All, and, and this is not a hey you need to go sell everything that you have type of conversation. This is hey we just need to to tip the scale just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and we truly can make a global impact for the for the cause of Christ. I mean you're absolutely right. If you make thirty five thousand dollars here in the United States or more, you're in the top 1% mm-hmm. of the world's income earners. So we, we are a very wealthy nation. Now, we don't always feel wealthy, and that's because we're comparing ourselves to, to other people. We're not comparing ourselves to the rest of the world. We're comparing ourselves to our neighbors and the people on, on our Facebook accounts. Um, it, but we are, we are an incredibly wealthy nation. I actually talk about that in the Money Challenge for Teens to help them get a better perspective on where God has placed them. Absolutely. And I love the top three principles you talk about for teens and I guess for everyone is to live generously, to save wisely and live appropriately. So why is this so important to you? Well, that's the pattern that you see throughout throughout Scripture. Um, as you look at what what the Bible says about money, it first says that generosity is to be our priority. That's Proverbs 3, 9, that we're to make sure that giving is a priority, that we give proportionally, meaning that, um, I guess you could say it's more percentage-based giving. Those who have more tend to give numerically more than those who have less. Um, we are to give sacrificially, which means that giving is not always going to be comfortable, that uh, if it takes that first place um, uh, spot in our hearts and in our wallets, that um, there's going to be an element of sacrifice that's that's involved. And you see that throughout scripture. You can uh, look at 2 Samuel 24, 24, when uh, King David, who was offered everything to uh, make a sacrifice to, to God, he, he's, he stopped the person and said, no, I will not give my God that which costs me nothing. Um, and then we are to give cheerfully, right? God wants us uh, to be cheerful givers, not a bunch of grumpy givers. And what I love about those principles is that they're not just given to us and then God just says, go do, right? Mm-hmm. He actually leads us and he says, I did. So mm-hmm. giving is to be a priority. How does God lead us in that? Well, he gave us his, his first and his best, his one and his only. He gave us He gave us Jesus. Giving is to be done proportionately. Well, he is the owner of all things. He owns a cattle on a, on a thousand hills. So he gave us the gift that simply could not be matched. He gave us the greatest gift known to man, which was Jesus. Giving is to be done sacrificially. How does he lead us in that? Well, may, maybe that's a little bit more uh, self-explanatory. He gave us Jesus. And then giving is to be done cheerfully. Where do we see that? Well, you actually see it in Isaiah 53.10, where it says God was pleased at the crushing of his of his son. And it goes on to explain how he actually found pleasure in the midst of tremendous sacrifice. And that's because he was looking through the eternal lens and he saw what the result of that sacrifice would be. He saw you, he saw, he saw me, he saw his, his seed. And um, so even in the midst of sacrifice, we can still be cheerful givers because we're not giving for the here and now. We're giving 
for for an eternal purpose, an eternal cause, and um, and so God tells us that we need to be gen- generous givers. So we give generously. Then the Bible does talk about saving that we need to set aside money for the future. That that's a good thing. Now, there's going to be a difference between hoarding and saving, mm-hmm. but the Bible says that there is a time to to save. You see that all throughout Proverbs. And so we're going to save wisely. We're going to set aside money for our emergency funds. We're going to set aside money for retirement. Those are good, wise decisions to, to make. And then finally, um, live appropriately. We're going to make decisions, purchase decisions that are within the means that God has provided us and do not hinder our ability to live and give generously. So give generously, save wisely, and live appropriately. I love that. And I love how you open with, um, you know, generosity. We feel good when we are generous. You talk about toddlers, you know, they love sharing their little snacks with their stuffed animals and all those things. And it made me think about, you know, we were in, well, we still are in the midst of pandemic and our family is usually one that opens our home a lot. We have a lot of people over and we enjoy spending time with people, but we just haven't been able to do that. And as I've been praying about how can we continue to give and um, reach out to people in a safe way? um, Years ago, we put together bags for homeless people. We had Bible and water bottles and snacks and all these things. And so we decided to do that again. We went shopping to the dollar store and, and filled about 25 bags. And our kids find the greatest joy as we're driving along doing if we had to do errands or go to the park. And they're like, oh, my goodness, there's someone we could give our bag to. And so we carry these around in the car and they are so excited when we're able to pull up instead of ignoring making eye contact with the person standing on the corner and give this bag that has, you know, hand wipes and and a toothbrush and all these things and, and pass those out. It, they are so excited to do that. And I think that's a way to, you know, give, even though we can't you know, at this time in history, be socially connected right. with people. And I, it, when I was reading that, it just reminded me that does bring so much joy when we do give. Yeah, God has designed us for for generosity, um, and what I would encourage you is to point that out to mm-hmm. your to your teenagers to say, hey, you know, you, you get excited about this. This is how God designed you to to work. That we were meant to be generous, to reflect His generosity toward others, and then also to re- remind them, hey, there's there's some things that you bought a while ago that isn't bringing you the same type mm. of of enjoyment and guess what you're going to look back on this moment and you're always going to look back on it with fondness. You're always going to look back and say, I'm glad that I did that. And that there's moments that um, you're going to realize that while we regret past purchases on a regular basis, we rarely regret past generosity. And so you can point them to God's design for them um, even while you're doing that. I, I love that you're you're teaching them how to to give generously, even during times when it's difficult to, to do. Yeah, I, that's so fun. And I, it was just brought so much joy. And I love how you have that in the book. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is what, you know, he's talking about, too. Um, and then the first step that you talk about in your many challenge starts with a gratitude journal, which I'm like, you know, you first think it's going to be like, don't buy this, don't spend this. But instead, why did you think that's so important? Because we, we need to realize, and teenagers need to realize, but I would, I would say all of us need to realize how good God has been mm-hmm. to us, that God has blessed us in a tremendous way. And when we realize what God has done for us, not just um, cer- certainly sending his, his son uh, to this to this earth, but also the resources that he's that he's given us, the, the, the privileges that he's, he's given us, 
all of these things it starts to create it's it, it starts to break first of all discontentment um, because you realize what you have as opposed to what you what you don't have but it also starts to generate a posture of generosity to realize that well wow, I've been given so much I probably need to to give to others as well yeah and I think we you know when we take time to think about all that we already have um, and we you know we're grateful for that it just changes our heart to what we really need like do we really need more things I was just talking to a teenager right. teenager not one of my own um, probably a month ago and she was saving her money for $300 shoes and I'm like what why do you need three because they're cool and I'm like okay I'm gonna get a copy of this book for her too but I think once we do like you talk about Instagram influencers reality TV show stars you know all these things and we see these people having these things um, and I, I love how you bring it out in the book too we don't realize the debt that they often have to have those things and that true freedom is not having that debt and it's so important I think to help kids understand that. And I think even with our own kids, my husband and I were just having this conversation. You know, we give, we tie the to the church and give in other ways, but we often don't let our kids know because it seems almost like we're like, hey, we just gave to this missionary or we did this. But then, you know, because we're trying to be humble, I guess, but then we realize like our kids are not seeing what is really happening and that right. we do need to be giving. So we just had this conversation. On, I think we need to let them in more on what we're doing so that they could see that this is a natural part of it. This is why we have joy. And this is why, I mean, God has provided for us in so many ways too. Yeah. You, you know, we, uh, his, before online giving became a, a thing, um, we would put money in an offering plate. If you if you went to church, you put money in an offering plate. And more than likely, your kids were there sitting next to you. And they would see that act of generosity. And so they knew that mom and dad were giving and that and you would model generosity to, to them in that moment. Well, for most of us, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but um, most of us, we do online giving. And, and so that opportunity to physically demonstrate generosity um, on a weekly or biweekly basis has been taken, taken away. Mm -hmm. um, now, you could still do that in most churches, but once again, most of us just opt for online giving. We do that at our house. And so just like you, we, we make sure that we talk about generosity on a, on a very regular basis. And we also ask them to participate. Um, we will say, hey, we are about to give to... If it's a missionary, we'll say we're get, get about to give to our missionary. Would you like to put some money um, in there as well and allow them to be a part of, of the, the, the generosity that's taking place? That's one of the ways that we teach our kids to live and give, give generously. And I certainly want to go back to what you, what you hit on about Instagram and, and social media in general with the lies that they are getting blasted mm -hmm. with nowadays. Um, they are living in a in a world that doesn't exist oftentimes. Um, so the the pictures on on Instagram um, with the the cars and the the houses, and of course you have influencers now. Um, those things, while they look good in a in a picture, they're frequently supported by by debt. Mm -hmm. And even as you as you look out, as they look at this person driving this car, this person living in, in this house, those things are often propped up by debt. So one of my hopes that um, teenagers walk that teenagers walk away with is that they put a new lens on through which they see the world. And so when they see 
um, the influencer or when they see their friends um, posting something that they know, okay, this isn't real. And I need to understand that. And more than likely, statistically speaking, they are not, they don't own all that stuff. They have a bunch of debt that is paid for that. And so they don't even own it. And it, all of it's going to come crashing down on them eventually. And so my hope is that with the, the money challenge for teens, it puts a new lens um, on, on them through which they see the, the world. Yeah, I love how you talk too about net worth. And, you know, when you take what they supposedly own and what they actually, you know, the debt on that, they really don't have very much in comparison to those who maybe are truly a millionaire and they're driving older vehicles and, you know, uh, they wear the clothes in their closet because they're still in good shape. And I think so many times we don't realize that. And definitely I didn't realize that as a teenager. And sometimes I forget that as an adult, that it really, when you, when you think about all that debt, they aren't the millionaires that you think they are. No, just teaching them what a millionaire actually is. Um, most assume when you talk to a teenager that a million do- millionaire, somebody who spends a million dollars in a, in a year. Um, a millionaire is somebody who has a net worth of $1 million. And a net your net worth is your assets. So what you own minus your liabilities, what you owe. And if you have a net worth of $1 million, then you are a millionaire. One of the, the most influential books um, on my life um, was The Millionaire Next Door. You may have have heard of that. And it revealed that the vast majority of millionaires don't actually look like what we think about when we think millionaires. They are um, what we would think of as average Joes. They drive an average car. They um, wear average. You would not know that they are millionaires. The vast majority of millionaires are undercover basically. Mm-hmm. And, and so I hit on that in the, the money challenge for teens. There's another good book out by, by Chris Hogan, um, who is a Ramsey personality called everyday millionaire, which, um, basically hits on the same thing. They did a survey of about 10,000 millionaires and uncovered the same thing that was uncovered in the millionaire next door. And that's that millionaires actually look pretty average. And those that look like millionaires are often actually not millionaires. Yeah, that is so good. I'm I'm really excited about reading this with my kids. I think this is going to be eye opening for all of us. Um, now I want to get to some practical things. So your eight money milestones: um, number one, start giving; number two, open a checking account; number three, get a plan; number four, open a savings account and save five hundred dollars; um, number five, open a Roth IRA. And I was reading this last night. My kids are like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, good. We're going to learn about all this." Um, Dad can tell you a lot about that because we have one. Um, number six, put 15% of your income into the Roth IRA, seven, save for a car or college and eight, live generously. So even we had great conversations, even just going over that list, but talk about those milestones. Yeah. So the, the hope with these milestones is it sets them on a trajectory for financial health for the sake of advancing God's kingdom. So let me first point out by saying it starts and ends with generosity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I and I start and end with generosity because that's where the Bible starts and ends when we, we look at our finances and how we're supposed to manage them, what our what our goals are supposed to supposed to be. Um, one of the ones that raises the eyebrows the most is the one that you that you hit on this milestone number five, and that's open a Roth. IRA. The reality is that teenagers have an amazing, amazing opportunity right now if they are employed. So they have earned income that's um, 
that the, the federal government that the IRS can can identify so they they it's reportable they can open up a a Roth IRA and there's custodial IRAs that are that are out there that you can that you can do and if they put it aside I lay this out in there um, if they set aside two thousand dollars let's say when they're 16 then again when they're 17 and again when they're 18 they're just setting aside two thousand dollars per year and basically don't do anything else they're not adding any more money to it than based on real numbers from the s p 500 that six thousand dollars turns into around $600,000 by the time they get to retirement. It's a very eye-opening moment for for teenagers. In fact, I was sitting down with a 15-year-old. His parents had had him come and meet with me to talk to him about these things, and that was the big wow moment for him. When I showed him, if you start doing this now, here's where it will lead. And of course, that happens because of the power of compounding. And I talk about that in the book. And just so you know, there if you're if you're wondering as a parent, how am I going to explain these things to my son or to my to my daughter? I have a list of terms and definitions in the very yeah. back of the book that helps explain these in a way that a that a teenager could could understand. So, if we get them in the habit of setting up the retirement account and then also setting aside 15% of the gross monthly income into that retirement account, it's going to be a, an amazing habit that will truly get them to that millionaire status um, on down the road. Yeah, I told my daughter um, a little bit of money, like it's from the book, a little bit of money over a long period of time ends up being a lot of money. That's and right. she's like, I want to start that now. <laughs> my, my 16 year old just started uh, at Crocker Rail as a hostess and she got her first check was $54. And I'm like, okay, we need to sit down and talk about these things. Well, before I even had a chance to have this conversation with her, she went to Walmart, she got stickers and Twinkies. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes, we definitely need to read this book. I'm like, do you have any money left? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Your very first paycheck, you did that, but we're going to, we're going to change things from here. And so this is perfect timing for this book. And, and give, give them grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, w- what you're trying to do right now is truly, you're just trying to set up habits, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're trying to set up habits that uh, will stick hopefully through college and then beyond college college. So that's the that's the goal. You're trying to teach them about money. You're trying to teach them about God's design for money, the impact that, that they can have, and also what healthy financial habits actually look like. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. So you t- talked about, you know, talking to real teens about this. Um, what are some of the comments that you get when teens sit down and, and they talk about money? Well, uh, I, so I'll, I'll talk about this 15-year-old specifically, and he's, um, I, would say, I would say, somewhat of an, an anomaly um, in that he already had a couple of thousand dollars set aside in a, in a Roth. Um, he was also already trying to figure out if he was going to go to trade school or your, tr- your typical four-year college route. Um, he was actually leaning more toward trade school so that he could learn um, electrical work and then one day own his own elect- electrician business. And so he was a guy that was thinking way, way ahead mm. of what most most teenagers are, where, where most teenagers are, are thinking. But hopefully this book starts prompting those those types of, of conversations. Once again, the, the big eye-opening moment, it really happens with, with retirement. But I also want them to understand the importance of their college choice. 
and making sure that you're staying away from debt mm-hmm. and how your your where you choose to go to school is going to be a major factor in whether you're going to need to go into debt or or, or not and that there's a lot of good options out there um, good educational options out there where you can you can make it through you can make it through four years without incurring any debt because what we see when students graduate with 37 plus thousand dollars in student loan debt man they're way behind already and and they're they're in a hole that they're already having to try to dig out and it takes sometimes 10 15 years to get out of that hole before they can ever really start gaining some some financial health in their in their lives and so we want them i want them to try to think through their college decision well not just about where what, what college team do I do I do I pull for? Where where's my girlfriend or boyfriend go, going? Um, but a, a, just a better way to make that that decision, and I even talk about uh, degrees and what what degrees um, are probably best for them. And I don't go into specifics, but I talk about it's where your passion, your skill set, and the opportunity to actually make money meet, that that's probably a good degree for you to pursue. Yeah, that is so good. And I I think that is so important. We've had uh, four kids go to college so far. Um, Two started community college, one started a state university, and one at a private Christian college near us. And she was our oldest adopted one. I'm thinking, okay, we really need this Christian environment. And oh my goodness, it was so much money that we were paying because we (laughs) did not want her to incur a lot of debt. And after the first year, we're like, okay, well, let's go back to the community college because it was overwhelming. And she got like a $60,000 scholarship towards that school, but we still had so much money for the first year, it was yes. amazing. I was overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, you, you you need to consider the net cost of going to the school. Mm-hmm. So you can have a school that over a um, over a year it cost, let's say fifty thousand dollars, and you get a twenty five thousand dollars scholarship, and that, that's great. That's something to celebrate that you got that twenty five thousand scholarship, but you're still on the hook for twenty five thousand dollars, and so it's that net cost. That you have to that you have to consider when you're looking at schools, and I'm a big fan of community colleges. Um, there are some amazing, amazing deals. You know, I use that uh, use that term out there with community colleges. Some states you can go to the uh, community college for uh, free the first few years. Um, they're usually very low, low cost, and then you can go into if you want to do a a traditional four year you know school. You can then do your last two years um, at that at that school, and it is a very cost effective way to get the same degree as the person who went to that school for the entire four years. Absolutely, our um, second oldest she started when she was in high school. She was homeschooled, and she did she just started um, community college when she was sixteen, and because she was still in high school, it was half price, and then. And because of her grades, she got the next two years for free or in the next year, I guess, for free. And so she that was such a little amount of money for her to get her first two years of college done. Um, it was a huge thing. And so now all our other kids, I'm like, this is where you're starting. Like, we're just doing yes. this. Route. We have learned. We have tried all the different <laughs> options. This is where you're going. And you will. You'll get a good education. You can move on your, your next two years to a different school. You know, focus on your degree because the first two years are really just those basics anyway. 
Yeah, I, absolutely. And there's not a single employer that's going to look at your um, your first two years. They're they're looking at the looking at the degree that you received at the at the end. And I love that you mentioned um, concurrent and dual enrollment. Um, there's some in high school. There's some really good opportunities to get college credit now. I know even here at the college at Southeastern, um, you can get up to 30 hours toward the college um, while you're in high school. And that is an amazing opportunity that more you're seeing just more and more schools offer. And so wherever you are, look at those different opportunities to get college credit while your your child is in high school. Okay, that's such good stuff. Okay, before we go though, I want to talk about credit cards because it seems like as soon as my um, kids started filling out applications for college, I don't even know how these people know, but then all these credit card applications start showing up right. in our mailbox. I'm like, cut them up. We're not going to do that. Don't you know get caught in that. But talk about credit cards because I know even from I mean when they're 20, some kids have so much debt just on credit cards. Yeah. So it, in, in general, um, I'm not going to go uh, all Dave Ramsey on, on you about, about credit cards. And, and I love Dave, Dave Ramsey. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not adamantly opposed to them now. But for teenagers, I don't think that it's a wise decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to be incredibly careful with credit cards, whether you're a teenager or an, an adult. Um, if you struggle with, with debt, get rid of them get just absolutely throw throw them away with with teenagers they are going to get hit with um, with offers all the time and this is where us as parents we really need to step in and explain to them how these things work that they are not free money which many college students act as if this is just this bunch of free money that they've suddenly been been given because they are an, an adult and so we need to be very careful we need to educate them educate them well um, if they seem to not have a good understanding on a good understanding of finances then I would say absolutely avoid them um, it's you're they're better off not having that because you always have a deb- debit card right um, and you can always opt for for that as opposed to having a, a credit card and I know the argument about building credits uh, there and I'm not going to say that there's there's no merit to that to that argument but ultimately I want to make sure that students graduate debt free and that they set up a pattern of financial health that will stick with them for the rest of, of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this has been so much good stuff. And like I said, we've already had great conversations around our house in the last two days, just just barely touching these concepts. And so I'm so excited to read this book with our teens and to go through these concepts. I, what I love is it's so readable and unrelatable to that age. Um, you know, a lot of books, it seems like it's still over their head or it's not, I don't know, but this, I love how you did that. It was able to, it's able to really connect with them where they are. Um, and so I really appreciate that. Well, thank you very, very much. And once again, if, if, uh, if you're an adult listening to, uh, this, this show, I do encourage you to, if you, if you get the money challenge for teens, also get the money challenge and read them together and it will, it will actually be a lot of fun. I promise you that. That sounds great. It was so funny. Yeah, I think this is the first time I've thought of a financial book being really fun, but I can agree with that. <laughs> oh. Well, let me, I'll tell you the this little secret. Um, not It's not the best kept secret in the world about the, the book. So I've written several financial books at this point, Find More Money, The Marriage Challenge, The Money Challenge. I actually have a, a kid's series called the Secret Slide Money Club series. That's really, ga- that's really um, gauged for um, ages six through through nine. 
all of them have stories in them mm-hmm. and they're all, it basically takes place all in one world. Um, so that as a child is reading the Secret Side Bunny Club series, they can connect with the dad and mom that's reading Find More Money or The Money Challenge, or they can t- connect with their brother who or sister that's a teenager and is reading The Money Challenge for, for teens. So it takes place, all, all the stories take place in one world and um, it, it can make for some fun conversations. Oh, I love that. So tell us um, a little bit more of where people can find you online. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm not that not that smart, and so um, <laughs> I, I decided to call my website artrainer.com. Um, and so if if you want to find me, I'm, I'm actually a very easy person to find. You just go to artrainer.com. If you want to contact me, there's a contact tab right up at the uh, the top. You click on that, fill out a form, and uh, press submit, and the 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 form gets sent to me. And I love hearing from people. I love getting people's money questions, and 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 answering those. I'll I also have a podcast called More Than Money, and um, I would love for people to be able to, to listen to that as as well and to send questions there that we actually answer on the on the podcast. So if you're looking for me, I'm, I'm a pretty easy person to find. That is perfect. Art, I have just appreciated you being here today. Thank you so much. Trisha, thank you so much for having me. That was such a great conversation with Art, and it made me think about my own teen years. I worked at McDonald's during the summer, after school, on weekends, and I knew that if I wanted to be able to buy school clothes um, at the end of the summer, I couldn't spend it all my money on pizza on the weekends with my friends. I saved it up. I remember going and being so proud of myself for coming home with like 10 outfits. And I also knew that even though they were cool, if I bought guests or Jordash, remember those days, that I couldn't get as much. And so even as a teenager, even though no one sat down with me, I figured those things out. For me, going to Kmart, looking at the blue light special rack was totally my thing. But teens today are so bombarded with everything. I remember I would find out about the cool things in magazines, on commercials, um, which were, you know, few and far between compared to today, Instagram and YouTube and all the places where teens are. It's just about the cool brands, the cool designer things. And I think it's so important to start talking to teens, not only about how they spend their money, but like Art was saying, what you can do with your money instead. And I love that Art's message is let's start with generosity, let's end with generosity, and let's be wise all those places in the middle, because it is about those people around the world that need truth, that need hope, and that are giving to missionaries, giving to people who are reaching out and connecting with those unreached people around the world. They need money to be able to do those, and our money can make a difference. So I'm thankful for this conversation. I'm thankful for this book. And I know, like Art was saying, um, even if you don't have teens, I'm sure you learned something today, but he has wonderful resources for adults, for kids too, that can really help you as you lead and guide your family in this way. So um, today's Walk It Out verse 
is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's such a wonderful verse. Um, one story that I didn't bring up that's in the book, and he t- and Art talks about, you know, back in the days of flannel graph, they'd always have the widow that would have the mite, which means a very small amount of money to give um, at the temple, and Jesus pointed her out, and we always see her as this old woman that doesn't have very much but you know she always has this frown or sadness on her face but she most likely was giving cheerfully for God to point her out so you know come on flannel graph people makers (laughs) think about that but I love that point too that some of the examples that Jesus points us to in the Bible people were giving even the small things that they had and that's what Jesus really um, brought joy to him that's what brought joy to Jesus So let me just pray for us today. Um, God, I thank you so much for everything that you have given us. I know sometimes it seems like we're struggling and I know these have been hard times, but you have provided us so much for the fact that we're in a home and have clothes to wear and food in the cupboard and um, have warmth and have a vehicle. Um, We are so blessed and we have so much than so much more than most of the world. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to decide in our hearts to be more generous. I pray that we will not give reluctantly, but we will give joyfully, knowing that you have given so much to us. I pray that um, through this conversation, that our hearts will start to change and that we will think about where our money goes and how um, we can use it to really expand your kingdom. I pray for art as your... Using him to spread this message, continue to bless him and bless his ministry. I pray for every listener here um, that you will bless each listener abundantly and give them also a heart to give abundantly. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I'm so thankful for you. I thank you for generously giving your time to listen to this podcast. And I would just love if you would just share it with a friend. You can go to either walkitoutpodcast.com, get the links to your favorite shows, share those through email or instant messenger or uh, post it on your Facebook page, but let people know about this podcast. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate you listening, tuning in and sharing it. And I just hope that you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.